We believe at this point he is the person we have interviewed the most on Radio Parallax over the years, although we have not gone back and formally checked. But we think that will stand up. He's our very own sports correspondent, Mr. Sean Minton, and we're glad to have him back. Welcome back, Sean. Thank you. And I have checked, and I am far and away the most interviewed person (laughs) on your show. Well, that's because, as our sports correspondent, you... um, are used to doing this for like three hours at a crack, which I, I must take my hat off to you, sir. Yeah, it was getting up at 3 a.m., preparing till 6 a.m., and then on the air till 9 a.m. It was a different life, and I was a different person back then. That was about 100 years ago. So therefore, we figured if you're going to talk to us for 20 minutes, this is like falling <laughs> off a log. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I do this in my sleep. Exactly. So um, let's start out with the Sochi Olympics, shall we? Did you catch much of that? I did. I caught it. Do you want to talk about Bob Costas' pink eye, or do you want to talk about the controversy with ice skating? Or well, if you want to talk about Bob Costas, let's talk about, like, what happened to Bob Costas? He just have found... Plastic the... surgery? What? I'm sorry. Are you suggesting that Bob's had work done? Well, I have my suspicions. I know that he wears <laughs> shoes that uh, have risers in them, but I will make no comment on the face itself. But. Well, I would know that I am actually a huge fan of Bob Costas. Mm-hmm. When he had his late night program several years ago on TV, he was very, very good. He, there's nobody better at the interview, and I don't think NBC nearly uses him to his capacity. Of course, at this point, if he has actually had some work done and he's getting up there in age, maybe he's like, "Look, I'm just going to sit behind the desk. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you who the next uh, ice dancer is, and then let's just get on with it." Okay. Well, I, I noticed that the networks don't seem to necessarily champion. Um, um, Intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Goss is a very bright guy. I don't think that really concerns them. No. I, well, I mean, he's the best at what he does. He's won. He's won multiple Emmys. He's he really is very good. I just I thought that it was interesting that the one thing that people would pick up on with him is when he got his stink eye and he tried using the glasses to cover that up. And eventually, I think the NBC executives just said, "Look, other than maybe putting a pirate patch on that thing, let's just move on and we'll try to find somebody else." But when they bring in somebody else, you can that then that lets you know how good he is because the level of what's happening as the host of the Olympics just drops significantly when they try to bring somebody else in. I mean, he's that good. No, he, he has talent, and I think that I, I take my hat off to him. I wish he was back on late-night TV still. Yeah, he was excellent when he had his interview show, and he's excellent what he does now. And, of course, for people that know him um, as a baseball guy, there's the, there, were, there was actually talk when Bug Selig leaves of him becoming the commissioner of baseball, and he has told everybody he is not interested in that job at all. Oh, thank God. Well, as far as the Olympics goes, I was more concerned about the great soap opera of figure skating. Yes. There was some controversy there, I guess. Every, you know, it doesn't matter which Olympics you're talking about, whether it's a winter, summer, pre-summer, after winter. Judging is, it's in the eye of the beholder. So you've got people who are judging based on what they see, and then you have people that are judging based on the fact that they have a gun held to the back of their head. So, or that a substantial bribe has been paid. I remember the big thing with like um, the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. They said that it was like the first bribe-free Olympics ever. Everybody knows that the IOC members get massive amounts of money. And the, the, the cities that win these Olympics give massive amounts of money to the Olympic Committee and to the individual members of the Olympic Committee. The last number I heard on Sochi was $51 billion to build all the venues and get everything ready for those Olympics. That's even, that is twice the cost of even the most expensive summer Olympics. So that wow. gives you an indication of how badly the Russians wanted this. 
how important it was to them in terms of, of the world view of them. I mean, they, I, I kept reading stories about how roads would be paved and then they'd be repaved and then they'd build things and then they'd take them down and then they put them back up. And all that was obviously cronyism. That was, that was Putin getting his people all the money that, you know, they, right. they were going to give them for building all these, these venues. I mean, that's really what it comes down to with all these things is, is how much money are you going to spend? How much money are you going to give the Olympic committee? And then how do you look in the eyes of the world? I think based on some of the things that we've we've seen in the last couple of days with and, the yeah. with the former Soviet Union, they're not looking so hot. <laughs> and the Olympics provide an example of that of I guess the Russian figure skater kind of getting the gold when some doubted that that was appropriate. Yeah, and again, that's not unusual because I'm sure that at some point along the way, I wasn't there. Thank God. Um, I'm sure some money was exchanged, or I'm sure some words are exchanged, or, hey, here's a picture with you with uh, an 11-year-old. Maybe you want to up that score to 5.6. Something like that is going on. But it's like you and I were talking before the show. This kind of stuff happens at every Olympics. There's always that situation where um, someone feels like they were slighted a little bit. And this one was, this this particular um, situation was, in the eyes of most people, very, very obvious. But again, it's all subjective. It's all politics. This is all just a bunch of geopolitical play anyway. For people that think this is just the best amateurs in the world or whatever going at it for their countries, that was all lost a long time ago when they started letting professional hockey players, professional basketball players, all that kind of stuff. As soon as they started letting all those folks in, what the Olympics are truly all about, lost. Someone have argued, Sean, of course, that that the Soviet blocks... Uh, people were professional athletes, just but under a different name. I mean, they, they were all. You couldn't tell the German women from the German men back in the <laughs> well, 70s. So let's story. not let's not that's kid ourselves. <laughs> but uh, there were only three people ejected from this year's Olympics for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. So either they've gotten even better at hiding that stuff, which is probably the case, um, or these three people were ex- extremely sloppy. But it wasn't it wasn't as obvious as it had been in other years. Well, I do want to say that uh, I, I certainly don't know much about figure skating, and I'm, I'm hoping to keep it that way. <laughs> but but I did come home um, the last night of the Olympics after working out, and I thought, you know what? It's the last night. They're undoubtedly going to do a recap. I'll be able to catch up, and you know, it'll be, it should be interesting. So I flip on the TV, and what do I get? An hour-long special looking back 20 years at the great soap opera of Tonya Harding versus Nancy Kerrigan. Right. I mean, right. what's up with that? That tells me that I am extremely old because uh, that is very vivid in my mind. I was living in Portland at the time. Uh, a lot of that took place with um, with uh, Shane Eckhart and Shane Stance and, and Jeff Galuli and that whole <laughs> that whole misfit <laughs> group of people. It's like, it was like think of though the 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 most idiotic people you could plan a burglary with <laughs> and you know it's people like walking out of the supermarket i'll take that one i'll take that one I'll... she chose the really the the biggest morons that you could ever find in her group forgive me for this but the the, the phrase trailer trash kept popping up i have seen <laughs> and uh we had talked before the show i'd actually had a chance to, to interview tanya now you now you must you must educate us about that it was, you know, we had seen, uh, after we got done with our show, usually on Fridays, we would uh, head down to one of the local bars, and she would inevitably be in there um, playing video poker. <laughs> nice. So, and anyway, the time frame on this is relative to Nancy Kerrigan getting clopped in the knees was what? Six months or a year after all that had taken place. And they were already hot on the legal trail of exactly, her. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So... I didn't see the special because I didn't know the special was coming on, and uh-huh. I didn't get a chance to record it. But my guess is, 
Um, the video that they shot of her in the doing the karaoke and the video is probably in the exact same place that we used to hang out on Fridays. And remember, I used to get off the air at 9 a.m. on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So by 10.30, we would be at this particular <laughs> establishment, and she would generally be the only person <laughs> there besides us. <laughs> so we convinced her to, to come on the air with us, and she said, I'm happy to do that, but we can't talk about everything that's happened. The Kerrigan Soap opera. So, you know, two questions in, it's the question we ask, and she hangs up on us, and, and that's the end of our relationship with uh, Ms. Tanya Harding. But but let me ask you this. Did, did you share the low opinion of many others uh, about her? Yeah, Tanya came from a tough background. She was not your atypical figure skater. <laughs> um, she had the hips of a truck driver, and she just... She she stood out in the fact that she didn't stand out. I mean, she the the ordinary common person could appreciate her because she she wasn't super pretty. Um, she she didn't have the moves that some of the other girls did. She really worked extremely hard to get where she was, and I think she needed to go and wanted to go to a different level, and kind of felt that maybe she didn't have the talent to get there. So unfortunately, she kind of decided. Well, she is there any doubt help. in your mind that she was the mastermind of carrying and getting whapped? You know, I choose to use the word mastermind in a way maybe the rest of us don't. Mastermind is like um, I can see him, you know, sitting around playing spin the bottle or something. And yeah, there's no doubt that she's the one who who told uh, Shane to to go ahead and grab the pipe and 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 whack Nancy on the knee. And one of the interesting stories that came out of that um, that particular incident is, I guess, when he was trying to get out of the ice rink, there was a door that was locked, and he eventually headbutted the door so hard he got it to open so <laughs> that's all you need to know at this point wow she'll deny it but come on i mean i think most of the evidence points to the fact that uh, she had a heavy hand in that well you know just just to kind of back up a minute and take a look at the coverage i mean what is with i i know that the olympics have a certain formula they have to have they don't want to portray it as a bunch of spoiled rich kids who are like, you know, that's all their life has been for the past 15 years. So they have to focus on all these stories they dig up of Joe Blow had to overcome adversity to become the Olympic blah, blah, blah. Right. And then we just, I just get, I'm getting so tired of that. Well, it's a formula that they use. And I thought this year, more than anything, they, they really focused on the death of family members. They oh, really God. went for the sob story about... Oh. You know, this particular person not only overcame all these obstacles, but their mother died of cancer. Their father was an alcoholic. They really hit those things hard. But the unfortunate part of that is that's why people watch the Olympics. I mean, they love the human interest stories. And so that's where you're going to dig it up. Unfortunately, whether you're watching... You're watching it. And I mean, that, the weird thing about the Olympics, you know, they were on Bravo. They were on NBC. They were on CNBC. They were on SNBC. They were on... You know, they're on like six stations at a time. You have hundreds of hours to fill with. How are you going to fill time with curling? I mean, (laughs) you have people taking a a rock and chucking it down a piece of ice. And on the other end, you got people with the same broom that I would use to sweep up my kitchen, (laughs) moving them really fast. You have so much time to fill. Mm. And the, the interesting thing about the Olympics 
But there's so many cool sports like like downhill racing and all that. I mean, you, you slalom and all that. I mean, that well, I mean, those are the glory. And and now we've gotten a lot into things um, to do with with the snowboarding and things like that. Where now you've got snowboard slalom, you've got snowboard freestyle, you've got all these different things to try to bring in the younger viewers because the average person who watches the Olympics is roughly 873 years old. So they're trying <laughs> to bring in people with with a lot of these new sports, which the United States would dominate because nobody nobody else understands the rules. I don't understand right. the rules of, of freeform snowboarding. How would you judge something like, hey, he didn't fall on his butt for the 32nd time. That's a 10. <laughs> well, we talked in last, last week's show, just to kind of, I don't want to necessarily back up into, into figure skating, but they talked about how in, there's a certain play to not just the judges, but the crowd. And I guess back in 1994, part of the soap opera show that I saw mentioned that Oksana Bayul won the gold, even though her routine was not technically superior to Nancy Kerrigan's, but she knew how to play to the crowd. And mm-hmm. I guess that factors into a lot of this. You think about figure skating, you've got you've got a lot of different things going on. You've got to factor in the crowd. Believe it or not, you have to factor in the clothes that they're wearing. You have to <laughs> Good laugh, guy. if you will. But these, these, these gals and, and guys... Uh, they take a lot of time trying to figure out what they're going to wear and what's going to appeal to the crowd. I wouldn't be surprised if there are clothing consultants out there that tell these figure skaters, um, <laughs> you know, you want to you want to have it white, you want to have the skirt hiked up this high, you want to make sure you have your jewel encrusted whatever's right here. <laughs> All of that stuff plays into it, and I think especially I can't believe I'm talking so much about women's figure skating here, but. We're proud once, of you. once they get into the routine and you see, say, the triple axle or you, you see them do the first couple of very difficult moves very well, then you're right. Then the crowd gets into it. And then at that point, it's as long as I don't make a mistake. I absolutely agree. I think that has a big, big factor in who wins. Well, there's just something wrong with this, this subjectivity run amok. I mean, you know, we talked in last week's show a bit about some of the boxing episodes where guys get the crap beat out of them and then they're, they're called the winner. Right. It's, it's all very subjective, and, and there are various reasons why you would pick one over the other, and that's that's just human nature until we get the, the uh, Olympic robots out there trying to figure out how to judge people. It's just going to continue on and on. But it also gives people things to talk about. You know, did did so-and-so, you know, did Sugar Ray Leonard get screwed back in the 80s when he lost his fight? You know, did this figure skater really outskate this figure? It just gives people people something to talk about and nbc and likes that it buzz is what actually right. gets everybody watching well when is the next time you and i will ever talk about figure skating in four years i'm pretty sure never i'm hoping that <laughs> I, I, I just that's all it is i mean if you think about the bobsled the um, you know, talk about the bobsled i watch these guys rocketing down the ice yeah. and these four man things that they pop there's into. four man there's two man there's luge there's um there's the one man um I can't think of. There's luge, but then there's another one where there's also just one guy on it, and I. But I can't, I can't believe. I mean, they're, they're just they're going to this little this track, you know, like little matchbox cars going down a little little preordained yes. path. And how much difference can it make? I, obviously, it makes a second or two difference in how you lean. Not even a second or two. We're talking hundredths of seconds. Yeah. In fact, this year the U.S. wanted to win a bobsledding medal so bad they got BMW to come in and design all the bobsleds for them. And I think 
one of our guys got a bronze or a silver or something well, this like, is like that. when they did a, a few years back all the people in the, in the swimming pools were given these suits yep these shark suits that, that, that they that the water high-tech suits the water would flow over a certain yep. way to get a couple extra hundreds of a second and this is getting what's your reaction to that well you know the the big controversy this year was the speed skaters for the United States the men um, we were supposed to have two or three of the top uh, speed skaters in the world and Under Armour came in with these brand new suits. They didn't get much of a chance to try them out, and we got our butts kicked in every single aspect of speed skating, which is just- Because the suit malfunctioned? That's what they're saying. They're oh saying my. that the, so eventually they ended, going back, they ended up going back to the old suits. That didn't, the, the fact of the matter is, if you live in Norway or Sweden, what, that's probably how you get to work in the morning, you skate. <laughs> so they obviously have an advantage over us, but they wanted, to, they wanted to find blame for why they were getting their butts kicked so bad. So they blamed Under Armour and the fact that these, these suits were not designed correctly. Hmm. But then, Doug, what happened? They signed a four-year deal with Under Armour because I gave them like $80 million. Now, to talk about performance enhancing, which always seems to come up, have you heard anything about this, this the xenon, the, the Nobel gas that, that doesn't interact with anything? Apparently, you do a 50-50 mix of oxygen and xenon and somehow it causes you to make more red blood cells? That this sounds is, like something that is a, a something on my television that makes my television work better. <laughs> I have not not heard of that. But All right, I, well, let's do our homework and see what we can look at look into that one because I thought that was the most bizarre sports story of the year. They have to try to keep ahead of the testing, keep ahead of the testing, keep ahead of the testing. Well, well, the, the reason this this garnered some suspicion or got some attention was that apparently in Russia there's this company that makes xenon. I guess it extracts it from the atmosphere. It's a tiny component of our atmosphere. I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's on every periodic table. It's yep. between Krypton and Radon, <laughs> I think. But uh, but apparently some Russian company that makes it was cited for the wonderful work it did to help our athletes. And that's people going like, oh, what, wait a minute. What's up with that? <laughs> I'm going to have to start taking that stuff so I can get up. For, <laughs> get up. And, have you had your hit of Xenon yet this morning? <laughs> <sighs> okay, I feel much better now. I'm taking it for medicinal purposes, doctor, I promise. Well, we've only got a couple minutes left, and before we go, Sean, I think we should look back 50 years at the defeat of Sonny Liston by Cassius Clay, which is February of 64. Well, you know, he predicted he was going to smoke him, and and Liston just, I mean, everybody just thought that was the silliest thing they'd ever heard of, and he just went in there and absolutely schooled that man, and after that pretty much schooled everybody else except for Joe Frazier and, <laughs> and George Foreman. I mean, there are a couple of guys that he had his difficulties with, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was really the first the first sports superstar. You know, there had been guys before him, but in terms of people who got up, said what they mean, mean what they say, et cetera, et cetera, he was absolutely the first. There's nothing I could even say to describe the impact well, that he had a on... A stunning self-promoter. I mean, a, really? man, a genius. <laughs> I mean, my God. You, we were talking before the show, you had some great... What was the quote about, uh, if you think of me in your oh, dreams, you should show, apologize. Yeah. yeah, if you think about beating me, you need to wake up and apologize. <laughs> my little three-year-old is really into the Beatles right now. Uh-huh. And when they came over the speaking first... Of, speaking of 50 years that's ago. That's true, that's true. Ed Sullivan. I just can't hear enough about that right now. Let's beat a few other things to death. Um... But when they came over here to do the Ed Sullivan show, I guess uh, Cassius Clay was uh, um, <laughs> sparring in a gym not far from where they were going to be, and they all went down and took what is now a legendary picture right. with the four of them on right. one side right. and him on the other side. Right. And I guess, according to Paul McCartney, just the nicest, you know, 
you you have your your image in front of the press, and then you have the the person you really are. And they said he was the nicest guy that they had met. He was just a super nice guy. <laughs> Although the the Beatles were were upset that he made them wait. And That's finished, true. And they were like, "Where is he?" Finally, he shows up. That's true. And he said, "Beatles, let's make some money." <laughs> Clowned around with him. You know what he said when they left? No. Apparently, having no idea who the hell they really were, he turned to his Bundini Brown and one of his aides and said, who were those four sissies? <laughs> and then the Beatles walked away like, who was that big dude? <laughs> I wonder if anybody knew anybody at that point. I got to say, that talk about talk about the convergence of the great, you know, the epic promoters of a half century ago, the, the guys behind the Beatles and the guys behind yep. uh, Muhammad Ali. Yep. And... and both now celebrating 50 years together. I don't know if their careers ever intertwined after that, but with with some of the great things he did with the thriller in Manila, in fact, he said that at, at the at, when that fight was over, he thought he honestly thought he was going to die. Well, Sean, I can't think we can do any better than to close with a quote from Muhammad Ali. And apparently once, when asked if he'd ever been in love, his response was, not with anybody else. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> He's our sports correspondent, Sean Mitten, and I would just have to say thanks again, Sean, and come back soon. Thank you, sir. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung.